If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Mark chapter 1, and we will continue on 40 through 45. You'll see on your outline that our goal this morning is to look at Jesus, a leprous man, and our cleansing. But that's our goal, and that'll lead us straight into um, a time with these elements to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So let's, uh, let's unpack this, Mark chapter 1, 40 through 45. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me and turn right there. You'll see it on the screens as well, Mark chapter 1, 40 through 45. And a leper came to him, imploring Jesus, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Jesus, moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to freely talk about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us. Guide us by your hand through your word to have our hearts pricked to change, that we wouldn't walk through this time as a routine, but it would be life-altering for us. Reveal uh, your steadiness through these passages, and let us rejoice over your goodness through them. In your name we pray. Amen. The first thing that we see in verse 40 is the leper's dilemma. The leper's dilemma. It's your first blank there is the leper's dilemma in verse 40. We see the leper comes to Jesus, implores him, kneels down before him, and says, if you will, you can make me clean. Well, we really need to understand what the leper's position was, and you probably are well aware of this, but let me just give it to you as background of this uh, particular passage, is that in Jesus' day and in the biblical time here, we're talking uh, leprosy to be a heinous disease. Leprosy would have robbed this man of all financial status, all social uh, status, and even religiously he's seen as unclean. Now here this leprosy would have covered up to 72 different types of skin abnormalities. Things like boils, ringworm, itches, rashes, and Hansen's disease, which would have been leprosy. So here this man, most notably, would probably have true leprosy coming to Jesus with all sorts of uh, difficulties on his skin, being ostracized from culture. The leprosy had truly robbed him of so much of his existence. I mean, look at Leviticus 13 and 14. Read almost like a, a biology textbook or a medical textbook on what to do with a leprous person. In Leviticus 13, 45 and 46, it says the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, and he is unclean. He should live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. So for a moment, put yourself in the shoes of this leprous man. That everywhere he goes, people are running away from him, getting away from him. It was said that people even carried stones so that if a leprous person came near, they could throw the stones to get them away from him. Even more than that, the leprous person, if they came by, would have to yell, unclean, unclean, everywhere they went. 
Can you imagine that kind of existence? Whereas you walked into the town or as you walked on the outskirts of town, you had to yell, unclean, for everyone to hear. Can you imagine the embarrassment, the shame that would be attached to such a disease where you could not go anywhere without people moving away from you? People getting out of Dodge from you that you're seen as completely unclean, this contagious disease that if it got on you or you got near it, you would get it and then be considered unclean. So put yourself for a moment in the shoes of this leprous man. This dilemma that he's got, even on the outskirts of town, he has heard the stories of Jesus and believes that Jesus can indeed heal him. So he's going to risk everything to come to Jesus. Oh we have a lot more in common with this leprous man than it may seem on the surface. As I'm looking around, you all look pretty good. It doesn't look like anybody's got leprosy on them today. So we don't identify in that way, but from a cleansing perspective, we identify with the leprous man very highly. See, in no way did this leprous man bring to Jesus financial goods. He didn't bring him popularity, surely not. He didn't bring him anything religiously. He was unclean on the outskirts of town. He didn't bring him political power. He didn't bring him popularity in any regard. This man brought to Jesus nothing other than the possibility that he would make this popular religious teacher unclean himself by simply being in the proximity with him. This leprous man was bringing nothing to the table with Jesus. I think for a moment I need to put myself in the shoes of the leprous man and recognize that in my salvation, this is how I came to Jesus, bringing nothing to the table. And sometimes I want to come to Jesus and say, you can heal me because look at all the things that I've done, Jesus. You can make me well because look at all my deeds and accomplishments. Look at all the things that I've given up for you. Look at all my stuff, Jesus. So you have the responsibility to now do something for me. But see, this leprous man knew exactly who he was. He knew that he had no place before Jesus. He knew that he was risking everything, bringing himself before Jesus, kneeling before him in the uttermost humility. And I would advise myself and I would encourage us to think through our status before the Lord to remind ourselves just who we were before Christ. That we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God has made us alive together with Christ. This is who we were before Christ. That we were cut off, unclean. And so let's identify for a moment with this leper coming and imploring Jesus and saying, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, what is Jesus' response? We see the touch of Jesus. Your second point on your outline is Jesus' touch. You see in verse 41, it says he was moved with pity. Some translations mean he was indignant or he was moved with anger at the disease that was in this man causing such havoc over the land. But he was moved with compassion or pity or anger. He was emotionally driven. He was emotional to see what was happening in this man. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and did something that no other religious teacher, no other doctor or person in society would do. Jesus reached out and put his hands on this man. Think about this change for a moment. That this man walking into the places he would go, yelling, unclean, unclean, people moving away from him. But what does Jesus do but move towards him and put his hands on the most unclean that society had to offer? What a beautiful moment. 
And we see this is not relegated to one particular story. We see often, over and over, Jesus decide to touch the unclean, touch the hurting. There are other times, as we'll see in our next passage of Scripture next week, that Jesus speaks to the paralytic and says, get up, rise and walk. But here, Jesus touches this man. The very thing that should have made Jesus unclean was the thing that made this man clean. Now see the authority in here that Jesus casted out the demons. He heals this disease, ultimately foreshadowing that he would overcome and have authority over death. Now look really, really closely here at what Jesus actually says back to this man. You see the leprous person comes up to Jesus and says, If you will, you can make me clean. See, the, the question here is not whether Jesus is able, but whether would he? The leprous man knows that Jesus can make him well, but the question for the leprous man was, would he? And can I tell you, as I, as I read those passages, I was struck by how often this is a core theme of my life that I know God can. I see him do the miraculous work in other people's life. I see him give grace upon grace upon grace to other people. But there's times that I look at myself and say, but would he do it for me? I know he can. I believe he can, but would he do it for me? And you look at this passage and you see Jesus' response to the most unclean of sinners, unclean of people in the day. What does Jesus say to this man? I will be clean. That to the least in society, the least religiously unclean, this is the very person that Jesus doesn't say, get away from me, you unclean person. But Jesus actually stretches out his hand and touches them. And so for a moment, if you feel like God could not save me, he could not love me, look at all the things that I've done. Jesus just saves people who are not that bad. This man was endemic of all of us, unclean because of our sin. But what does Jesus do other than reach out and touch him? And so recognize in this beautiful moment that Jesus' power, sometimes we take for granted, but not his mercy. That in mercy, he looked at this leprous man with compassion in his heart, pity in his heart at what this leprosy had taken from him, looks at him with compassion, reaches out and touches him with his hand, risking maybe his uncleanliness to make this man clean. And this is the very thing that Jesus has come to do for you in the midst of our sickness because of sin. Jesus reached down to us, died on that cross to save you from your sins, all of them. But that's not all. We continue on here. In verse 44, as Jesus heals this man, Jesus sternly charged him, sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But what did this man do? He went away and began to talk freely about it to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but his desolate places, preaching and proclaiming. And everybody came from quarters out to meet him in these desolate places. That Jesus was telling this man, hey, go show yourself as a proof of your cleansing to the priests so that they would know that you've been healed and cleansed. Don't speak openly because so often the people, as we learned last week, are just coming to Jesus for what he could do for them, for his healing powers, but not his messianic salvation. And so Jesus implores this man to go away and not speak of it so that Jesus could continue preaching and sharing and telling to prepare the way. But he tells this man to go and show himself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. See, friends, this is the beauty 
of this situation. In verse 42, we see that immediately the leprosy left him. That immediately Jesus healed this man of his affliction. But more than that, in that moment, this man was cleansed. This is what is beautiful about this passage, that Jesus was not simply healing this man of his affliction. He was cleansing this man of his internal disease in this moment. You see, this is what Jesus has done for you. That our greatest problem is not physical abnormalities, physical ailments. Our greatest problems are not the physical things that we have. It is for our internal cleansing of our sins. And it's the very thing that Jesus came to this earth to do. And so our need is not physical. It is spiritual that Jesus would cleanse us over all of our sins. And that's the very thing that would lead us exactly where we're going to the Lord's Supper to remind us of what he has done for us through saving us of all of our sins, cleansing you and me from the debt that we could not pay on our own. This is the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of this story is to lead us beautifully to this last place on your outline, is to rejoice in your cleansing. I want to ask you, this leper, you imagine singular in this moment, this quick little moment that Jesus touches him and the leprosy has gone away. The cleansing has happened. Can you imagine all the things that rush through this man's mind? He could be in community. He could worship with other people. He could be with his family. He could be normal, cleansed, healed, and whole. Let me ask you, as you rejoice in your cleansing, do you recognize the moment that you invited Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life, the moment that you got down before him, bringing nothing to the table and said, Jesus, I need you. I cannot do this thing on my own. The moment that you got down on your knees and said, Lord, I bring nothing to the table. I am dead in my sins, but you have made me alive. Do you recognize what happened in your soul? That God transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light in that moment. And so our response is rejoicing. Our response is to thank the Lord for the goodness of what he has done. He has taken a leprous soul and made it whole. Let me pray for us as Quincy and the team comes up to lead us in just a moment. Dear Lord, thank you. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. As we come to this time of the Lord's Supper, I pray our hearts are stirred to recognize, remember, and rejoice over what you've done. Lord, we love you, and thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Friends, as you uh, peel back this top layer from your Lord's Supper elements and pull out that little piece of bread, I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the covenant in my, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And verse 28 is where we want to pause for a moment. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is where I would encourage you as Quincy sings and Hank plays and we have this moment of reflection. These are not just three or four minutes that we give you. These are moments where we ask you to 
to ponder what this means for you. That Jesus' body broken for you, his blood spilled on your behalf, your sins taken away, a moment to reflect on the goodness of who God is for you. So examine your heart. Examine what's going on in your soul and let your heart be stirred toward rejoicing and thanksgiving. So as Quincy sings, would your heart be stirred to examination in this time? what we've come to do. And you see in the passage of Scripture that we do this in remembrance of Him. We do this to remind ourselves of the goodness of the Lord. And friends, I want you to take a moment as we take this and just look around. This is always the most encouraging part of the Lord's Supper is it's a communal meal. 
We don't do this in isolation. Jesus took his disciples. They did it together. They took this meal together. It's a reminder as you look around this room that this is a room full of broken people. That as we take this bread and drink this cup, it's a reminder that everyone here is signifying the same things, that we cannot earn our own salvation. We cannot make it on our own, that we desperately need the Lord's uh, grace in our lives. And so as you, as you take this bread and take this cup, it's a beautiful, encouraging reminder of the body of Christ in it together. They say we need each other. We need Jesus as the Lord and leader of our life, that we cannot save ourselves. We cannot do enough good works. We could not do enough good deeds to earn God's peace and favor on our lives. So we're signifying right now as we take this bread and drink this cup. There's a room full of people here at 305 South Perry Street who are watching online and at home who are proclaiming the Lord's goodness in their life, that his grace has covered all of our sins, that his body was broken for you. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, he, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they took the bread. Well, friends, as you peel back that piece of foil and expose that juice in this little thimble, the same is true now, a moment for you to examine yourself, and as you look at this little thimble of juice, it's a reminder of God's grace poured out for you. His blood was shed on your behalf, and as you take a moment to examine yourself, you may be at times, as I do, I sit here and I ponder my sin, and I ponder you know, my, my sinful and wicked heart, and at times I think, Lord, I'm not worthy to take this. I'm not worthy to take this cup, that my sin is too great, I, I'm way too far short. There's, God, I'm just, I'm unworthy. And that's precisely the point, that we are unworthy, that we are not good enough, but by God's grace, he has covered us with his abundant sacrifice on the cross. And so as you sit in this next little moment, and as Gwen plays, and we have this moment of reflection, thank the Lord for his goodness to cover your sins and rejoice in your cleansing as the leprous man was. Let's take this moment to reflect.
week when, my friends, as we come to this time to take this little symbol of juice, I want you to take your heart to verse 26. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And you know the Lord has not come back yet, so until the Lord comes back, we're going to continue doing this. We're going to continue reminding each other of the truth of God's word. We're going to continue reminding each other through the hardships of life, through the ups and downs, that we are people who call on Jesus. And so we need these moments of remembrance, these moments to pause and reflect and take these elements to remind ourselves how desperately we need Jesus. We need them to remind each other of how desperately we all need Jesus. And we'll continue to proclaim the Lord's death, the fact that he has died on that old rugged cross, and we cling to it with everything that we are. And on that cross, his blood was shed for you and for me to take our sins as far as the east is from the west. Praise be to God. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they took the cup. And as we come to this time of invitation, I want to invite you to respond however the Lord leads. As we've had this time to take the elements of the Lord's Supper, as we've talked about the gospel, as we sung about it, as you've experienced in your Bible fellowship classes, this is our time of invitation where we invite you to respond. Now, maybe this morning your invitation is that you feel in your heart that you need to join this wonderful family of faith. Maybe today is the day that you come aboard as a member of First Baptist Church. We would love to have you. Maybe as we invite you in this invitation to respond, maybe you need to get right with the Lord and you need to accept his salvation for the very first time. Know that we would love to talk to you about what that means and looks like to follow Jesus. Maybe there's other things on your heart today. As we invite you to respond, it's possible that maybe you need to get up out of your seat and go to someone else in this room and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to talk to your wife or your husband who's next to you and say, I'm sorry, I've fallen short. Will you forgive me? Maybe you need to go to a a son or daughter or somebody who's in the pew with you and just say, I want to follow Jesus better with you into our future. Maybe you need to say, I feel the Lord calling me onto the mission field. However, the Lord is calling you to respond. We give you this moment to respond. And so as Ed comes and leads us as as we sing together, I invite you, friends, not to just go through the motions of an invitation, but to truly ask the Lord, Lord, what are you calling me to today? As I leave this place and walk out into the sanctuary, Lord, what are you calling me to do? And so as we sing, would you stand and let's sing together.